is episode two of series two of the podcast. And today we're going to be delving into our League One prediction for the 2021-2022 campaign. Uh, rather than give you a smorgasbord of the League One predictions, give you a little taste of every team, we're only going to be doing our top 10, as we feel we can do that a little bit more justice. Um, so, kicking off with 10th, who have you got in 10th position, Will? I've gone with Wigan Athletic um, for 10th right. place. Reasoning behind that, I think this year, League One, more than ever, is very unpredictable. I'm sure you guys would all agree on that. And that's realistically my 1 to 10, in a way, is quite fluid. Um, I think lots of these could change. But for me, Wigan, I think they'll have a solid season. You know, they've brought Charlie Wyke in from Sunderland, which I think is a very good signing for them. Obviously, League One's top goal scorer last season. Yeah. So, but undoubtedly, I think Wigan for me, I don't know. I just see the sort of season petering out to be a bit mediocre and 10th place, I think, is where they'll finish. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, Ed, who have you got sitting in 10th? Um, I've gone for Wigan Wanderers in 10th position. Right. Um, I think they've uh, obviously lost a big talisman in Ikpiezu to Middlesbrough. But the replacement, Sam Vokes, I think is arguably just as good. Um, you know, Vokes, OK, his time at Stoke was a massive failure. But I think it's a real coup of a signing this for, you know, with respect, a club the size of Wickham Wanderers to be able to sign, you know, a Welsh international who scored goals at the Euros and stuff like that. I think it's a great statement of intent. Um, I really like Ainsworth as a manager. And let's not forget, Wickham were desperately unlucky to go down from the Championship last season. Um, OK, at times they weren't brilliant, but their commitment never faltered below 100%. I think they made some good additions with the likes of Sully Kai Kai, especially Josh Schoen, a player you two will know very well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, they've got a good squad. They'll be buoyed by the, you know, the help of the fans back again, as every team in the division will be. Um, I don't think they'll be quite good enough to get uh, you know a top six finish just because the strength of some of the other squads in the league, but I think it'll be you know another successful campaign for the chair boys and um, a top ten finish I think should be welcomed. Yeah, and uh, I've probably got some different reasons for it, but I agree with you, Ed. Um, I have Wickham sitting in tenth. Um, I, I do think Ainsworth he just works with Wickham, doesn't he? Um, and that that's why I back them to have another good season. You say about Sam Vokes. Um, there's been a lot of sort of talk on Twitter about how he's finished, but I I see you know when when Billy Sharp went to Sheffield, quite a poor spell at Leeds. He still tore that division apart, and I can see similar things happening at Adams Park with Vokes. He will score goals for them. Um, and a player you've not mentioned, Anis Mehmeti. He was so so exciting to watch in the Championship last season. And um, he'll, he'll certainly get bums off seats at Adams Park. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do to League One defences. And I think Wickham's defence in, in general is really quite solid. They've, they've got good players in it. You know, they've got the likes of Jason McCarthy, Anthony Stewart, Ryan Tafazzoli, and their, their instrumental captain, uh, Joe Jacobson, will, will chip in with goals and assists. So I think another good campaign for Wickham and a team that was languishing in League Two not so long ago. The top 10 position in League One's really good. And I even think they could possibly push for the playoffs if they start well. But top 10 for, for me, for Wickham. Um, Ed, who have you got in ninth? Got a bit controversial here. Um, I've gone for Sunderland. 
right Ooh. now uh it's a, it's a multitude of reasons multitude of factors um not helped by their lack of quality transfer window activity really um obviously they've signed you know a couple of i'd say decent name plays in terms of alex pritchard and corey evans evans was a he's a solid central defensive midfielder in the championship obviously he's got his injury problems though and that's exactly the same for alex pritchard who you know if you talk to anyone in huddersfield they're less than enamored with uh mm-hmm. with pritchard yeah um you know, they let a load of players go on freeze, which isn't a bad thing, but they've actually not replaced them. Um, I think the signing of Callum Doyle, that's a promising one, but he's a 17-year-old. You can't pin all your defensive hopes on a 17-year-old. I also think Lee Johnson, he always does a good job, but he never gets the job finished for me um, in recent years. We saw at Bristol, he never quite had that bit of bite to go and either finish a cup run successfully or get a top six finish. Um, I think the other big factor that goes on at Sunderland is they've been in this league a few years now. So this idea that they've got a God-given right to get out of it is slowly waning. With that, quite rightly, fans will start to get, you know, visibly angry. The stadium of light, if you watch any of the documentaries, <laughs> can be a toxic place yeah. at times. So I think if they don't start well, it's just going to set the tone for the season. And with all the teams around them are making quality additions, I feel like they're just getting left behind a little yeah. bit. I mean, Ed, I've got a question for you on Sunderland. How long into the season do you think Sunderland fans go up to Lee Johnson and, and call him a prick? <laughs> <laughs> well, has he got six kids that he can reply? I'm a married man with six kids. <laughs> um, no, look, and, that, and then they've got every right to do so. Obviously not to abuse anyone, but to ask questions if things aren't going right because that community is built upon the football club. Um, so they feel everything and, and fair play to them. But no... I think if you're looking at sort of October, November and they're not doing great, it'll be really interesting under sort of new uh, ownership and, and management, stuff like that, how long Lee Johnson's given and whether he's axed quickly. Um, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's something we'll touch upon later in the podcast, but how important do you think Kirill Louis-Dreyfus is in, in Sunderland's um, long-term plan? Because it may be a case that he's waiting to, to spend big later on in the window. Obviously, we're recording this at the back end of July, but do you think yeah. with a few more quality additions, Sunderland could could get into the playoffs, Ed? I think so. And like you said, we're recording this with a month left of the um, transfer window open. So anything we say now in a week's time could be null and voided because of signings. Um, now... With that being said, obviously, they had a lot of off-the-field issues that need sorted. If they're getting sorted, that's a positive for the football club. But obviously, that tangible product of the team isn't being helped. Um, so, I think we've got to give them time. Obviously, the deal for Gallagher, the left-backs, looks to have fallen through at the time of recording. Yeah. Um, because they have got a target elsewhere. You know, I think with, this sort of, with these sort of stories, it's also interesting just to remind yourself that what we are told isn't the full picture. So... You know, we are selectively told through agents and the club what we need to know as fans and stuff like that. So we'll never know the true story of how much they're trying to press for signings. I'm sure there's lots going on behind the scenes, as there's everywhere. And, you know, the one thing I do disagree with, though, is Lee Johnson saying it's a tough market and stuff like that. I think comments like that, we'll look at teams later on that we talk about proving how the market isn't tough. It's about how you use it. Yeah, 100%. Um, Will, who have you got in ninth? I've gone for Lincoln City and 
obviously last season they did probably well they did very well then they got fifth place got into the playoffs um can i see them doing it again not really i think it's a similar sort of story uh, as wigan i think they'll have a, a solid season but for me this year league one that top six is such a strong amount of teams that i can't quite see them the imps getting in there i mean having said that they've done some quite interesting business over the transfer window they've brought in chris Maguire from sunderland at the age of 32 while also bringing in the likes of Sorensen from Stoke, who's only 21. So it's yeah. clear they're going for this sort of mixing young and experience and seeing where that gets them, which in League One can be, you know, a good way of going about it. But for me, Lincoln, ninth place. Yeah. Um, how much do you think the, the losses of, of George Grant and Brennan Johnson will affect the Imps? Oh, massively. I mean, that that's for me, you know, they're two players who played such a vital part in them getting into uh, the playoffs last season. Obviously, George Grant going to Peterborough, a good move for him getting into the championship and deservedly so. Yeah. And like I say, I think it's key players like that who, when you take those out of a squad, that can be the difference between, you know, getting that playoff push or settling for a mid-table finish. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you on that. Um, in ninth position, I have a team who I'm sure going to touch upon a lot more in the podcast. I have MK Dons. Um, now I, I actually think Russell Martin is probably up there with the best managers in the division and we can see why Swansea City are pushing so hard for him um, so anything I say about Russell Martin this is with him being in mind um, still being the manager at Stadium MK on the 7th of August but um, they, they play tiki-taka football in a division that is renowned for just pure physicality um, and last season when things weren't going well he said I'm going to stick with this philosophy and I think it's really shining through for the Dons now um, Cameron Jerome at the start of the window I thought was a big loss for, for MK but they've replaced him well if not better with with, the, with Troy Parrott Mo Issa and Max Waters coming in um, similarly I thought losing Scott Fraser to Ipswich was a huge loss for MK Dons um, but, but Scott Twine looks to have, have filled his boots so far in pre-season so that's good I just think they'll miss out on the playoffs due to the, the 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 division being so strong and and MK Don's just that we've talked about already the 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 addition of fans being back in stadiums is so key and MK Don's just don't have great fans do they so yeah. so when things are getting tough around winter I can't see them their fans pushing them through that and that's why I think they'll just miss out on the playoffs but but Russell Martin in my mind will one day manage in the Premier League so I think they've they've got a real gem there. And um, I think brighter things to come from MK Dons than just the, this season. Um, eighth position then. Um, Will, who have you got in eighth? Uh, I've got Oxford United. Um, similar story to Lincoln, but I think the main thing that's holding them back from the playoffs this season for me is the lack of activity in the transfer window. Obviously, we're talking, you know, there's still a month left of the transfer window. So, you know, anything could change and it's all subject to change. But at the moment, time of recording, there just hasn't been enough activity for me for Oxford. And that's ultimately what's going to stop them from competing with, like you mentioned, some really strong teams who I think are going to get into the top six. Yeah. Um, but for Oxford, how, how big do you think um, this season is for Carl Robinson? Because I think this is his, this is his fourth season now. With, with Oxford um, 
if if they do struggle to 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 crack the playoffs, do you think that's curtains for him, or do you think they'll stick with him? Um, I think they'll stick with him, and that's based off Oxford as a club. I don't think. Well, from my point of view, they don't have a divine right to be, you know, getting into the championship. And while I think it's important for them to be certainly going for a playoff push every season, I think if they were to just fall short, it perhaps would be a little bit harsh to see the manager go, especially if they haven't backed him big time in the in the transfer market. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think that's fair enough. Um, I'm in agreement with you, Will. Uh, I've got Oxford in eighth. Um, I think the one key reason as to why they can't crack the playoffs is the loss of Rob Atkinson, yeah. um, who was who was without doubt the best centre-back in League One last season. And I think that is a big loss. But the reason why they also are in eighth and better than 60 and other teams in the division is they've got great players. They've got Alex Gorin, who's a who's a cultured midfielder. They've they've got Matt Taylor, who will score goals. Um, another loss for them, Josh Ruffles. I think he's he's a big loss. But I, like I said, whilst they've still got players such as your your Cameron Brannigans, your, your Matt Taylors, your Alex Gorins, I think they'll be okay. And um, Carl Robinson seems to know what he's doing doing down there. Um, Ed, who have you got in eighth? I've gone for Portsmouth. Um... Another quite big club, just missing out on the playoffs. Um, I think this is a season of transition for them. Obviously, with the Cowleys coming in, getting rid of everything that Kenny Jacket was doing uh, that didn't work really. And and again, this is another club that's sort of dependent on the rest of the transfer window. I know I read yesterday that Danny Cowley was wanting maybe six or seven more signings. So their transfer activity is very clearly far from over. And therefore, we can't really give a true prediction. But based on the here and now, I don't see them as a, as a squad good enough for a top six finish. Um, I think the loss of McGillivray um, in net to Charlton on a free transfer, that's a big loss. You know, he's one of the league's best keepers in my eyes. Um, they've made some decent little shrewd free transfers, the likes of Tunnicliffe and Williams. But um, I don't see them having that bit of bite. I really like the Cowleys. I think they're unfairly dismissed at Huddersfield. Um, and obviously what they've done, both lower league and then when they got Lincoln up, they are the best men for me for Portsmouth. I just think it's a season too soon to be hoping for a top six finish. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's probably a subject that me and Will are going to touch on as well in terms yeah. of maybe being a season too soon for Pompey. Um, if, if we want to do consecutive ones with you then, Ed, who have you got in seventh just missing out on the playoffs? Um, in seventh, I've gone for Lincoln. Right. Um, obviously, it's been a pre-season a little bit disrupted from a horrible, horrible cause with Michael Appleton's battle with cancer. Great yeah. news is he was back at the training uh, facilities, um, yeah. coaching. I think yesterday I saw pictures, which is brilliant to see. Um, you touched on it earlier, the losses of key men um, and, re- and replacing those men. You know, it's a task in itself. I think... They have made some great signings. I think Chris Maguire, I mean, I, I saw him when he played for Wednesday. Obviously, he's a bit of a talisman at times up at Sunderland. I think the, the free transfer of Abdelakun is a great a great addition. Um, I just think, can those players replace the likes of George Grant and the impact that he had? I, I'm not sure that attacking talent, that quality in the final third to make something happen, I think they're going to miss that, unfortunately, a bit too much. Yeah, I mean, on paper, Lincoln's front three this season is probably going to be uh, Maguire and Tom Hopper. Um, do you think, do you, 
in, in your eyes, do you think that's just not quite good enough to crack the playoffs? In my eyes, no. I think, they've, like I said, they've made some good shrewd additions. And like, for example, some of the targets they've gone for, I would have loved to see Wednesday go for, for example, Josh Griffiths in goal. I think that's a great loan signing from West Brom. Teddy Bishop from Ipswich. Obviously, we're going to talk about Ipswich a lot later. But, yeah. you know, they are really cementing themselves now as a top 10 side in the championship. I just think the losses, you touched upon them earlier, the likes of Brennan Johnson, George Grant, uh, Rogers, who's obviously gone back um, to his parent club. You know, these were key players in their playoff campaign last season. Um, and to switch that and then go for another playoff campaign, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair enough. And, um, and one other point, actually, is I think they, they sort of, a bit like Barnes did last season, they benefited from the lack of crowd. Obviously, Sinsel Bank isn't that big a stadium um, and therefore playing those bigger teams without the crowds at, at the bigger stadiums, they could thrive off that themselves because they knew it was simply them against 11 other men. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a fair point. And I think it's probably a point we're going to have to return to a lot in the Championship because Championship away crowds are, are famously quite quite intimidating. Um, and I think I think that's a point that we're going to have to come back to. But, Will, who have you got in seventh? So, just missing out on the playoffs in May, I've got Portsmouth. And I echo many of the things that Ed said about, I think Danny Cowley, you know, the Cowley brothers, probably the right men to do the job at Portsmouth. But as of the time of recording, there just hasn't been many inspiring uh, men brought in the transfer window, which, uh, and, and a lot of people have left. I think, you know, I know it's pre-season, so you can't base too much off it, but I'm probably going to butcher his name. They've signed uh, Gasson Hadame from Norwich under-23s. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He scored eight goals in four games, which, OK, it's pre-season, but it's still impressive numbers. So he, he could be an exciting young talent um, to lead the line. But, you know, ultimately, like Ed said, it's the lack of transfer activity at the moment that's going to stop Danny Cowley's men getting into that top six. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just going to ask you a question about that lack of activity. Um, where would you say, or maybe give a couple of examples of players who you think could improve Portsmouth to get them into the playoffs? Well, I think, you know, it's players like Sean Williams has left after God knows how many years at the club. And you've got to try and find a sort of replacement for him in the midfield because he's a sort of player who, a bit like at Barnes, we've seen with Alex Mower, you've got to replace him because they were such a key part of the team. Um, so wait, wait, wait. Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to correct you. He's signed. He's signed. <laughs> sorry. Oh, dear. Oh, I made a balls up there. No, if, we cut this up, actually, if, if we, we realise one of us is waffling about something that's wrong, like the chances are one of, like we will do. Just... Oh, we know nothing oh, about I've, these I've been waffling the entire time. Yeah, we know nothing about these clubs unless they've been in the championship. I was like, Abdullah on a great signing. I know, obviously, he was at Hull and did decent on loan last season, but I was like, yeah, great signing. It was really well. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to stop you. Yeah, yeah, I knew, no, I knew that's what fair You were at Millwall for like 12 years. I just think, I just knew you got a bit confused. Um, well, well I'll, I'll you, just... Yeah, you ask about... Again. Yeah, yeah, sound. I think I put you on the spot a bit there as well. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Right. So, yeah, you've spoken about the lack of of activity in the transfer window for Pompey. Um, could you sort of give a couple of players who you think could fire them into the playoffs? Um, I think 
even if it's not certain individuals, it's more just you've got to get some proper, like, proven talent through the door, uh, you know, League One talent. Because for me, the top six that I've got have all got at least one player who's sort of well-proven at this stage in League One. And it's the sort of player who can really carry a team to that top six. And for me in Portsmouth squad, I just don't see anyone who can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And it's why I, I echo your sentiments and I, and I have Pompey in seventh as well. Um, I'm actually going to go against the grain with what you boys have been saying. I think the Cowleys are totally the wrong appointment for Portsmouth at this current stage. Wow. Um, th- they had Kenny Jackie at the helm for four years. And instead of going a bit more adventurous with their approach, and I saw they were linked with Daniel Stendhal, they really should have appointed him. That um, they've gone down the route of English um, sort of proven managers again. Um, I really don't like Danny Cowley in general. I think he's um, he he plays a style of football which isn't too on the eye. And Portsmouth fans did bemoan um, the lack of sort of good football under Kenny Jacket. And I think they're not going to get much better this season. In fact, they're probably going to get worse results if they do finish seventh. Um, they haven't strengthened, and it's something we've all said, they haven't strengthened. They've still got some blue-chip League One players in John Marquis, Marcus Harness, um, but the loss of the likes of Jack Watmore to, to Wigan, Ben Close to Doncaster, I just I just think they've got a lot, lot worse. And if an injury was to happen to a Marquis, um, they, they've only got sort of Rico Hackett-Fairchild in, in, in reserve, and, and that's just not good enough depth to be pushing for the playoffs. Um and like I said, couple that with the fact I really don't like the Cowleys. Um, I, th- I think you're not going to get in. The what playoff. is it you've got against the Cowleys so much? <laughs> I really, I really don't know. I, th- I think it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of the fact I hate the way they play football for a start. I, I think it's really negative. Um, but I, I think they've been overhyped for way too long. They, they, they were excellent at non-league level and they, and they did an incredible job with Lincoln. I, I'm not going to take anything away from that. But but the team they had at Huddersfield, I think you say it was unfair grounds for dismissal, but I, I think the team they had at Huddersfield, they played a poor brand of football with players who were really talented at, at, at their hands. You know, they had Lewis O'Brien, uh, Janino Bakuna in the midfield, and they just played really tawdry football. Um, the fact that when they got the Pompey job last season, that they could have pushed on for the playoffs and they bottled it to Accrington. You know, I just, I really don't like them. Um and can tell. It, <laughs> and I, I, it may stem from the fact they rejected Barnsley when we appointed Jose Moraes. It may stem from that, <laughs> but but you know, I, I, I just don't think they're the right the, the right gaffer um, gaffers to lead Pompey at, at this moment in time. Um, moving on to our top six though now, and this is where it gets really spicy because I I, I love the top six in any division. That 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 conversation around who is. Who is in them places? Um, Ed, starting off with your sixth place, who gets that last playoff pace, in your opinion? Oxford United, for me. Um, I mean, you've you've spoken about them earlier, um, but I've been quietly impressed by the signings they've brought in. I know they haven't been very plentiful, but they've been quality. I think Steve Seddon from Birmingham, I think that's a good signing at League One level. Obviously, Lee Bow, you didn't think he didn't feel he was part of his plans. A good young player. Bringing back Nathan Holland on loan, um, I think that's a great signing. Obviously, 
and we'll touch upon this player later, they've lost Alamide Shadipo, um, obviously returned to QPR and then come back out on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. So that's going to be a bit of a blow because uh, they've scored so many goals from last campaign from midfield. But I think I really like Carl Roberts as a manager. And if they can build on last season, and especially the back end of last season, then I don't see any reason why they can't get a top six finish again. Yeah, I think they're really fair points on Oxford, Ed. Um, in sixth position and just edging into the playoffs, I, I've got Wigan. Um, and I think this is a really unbiased prediction because I really don't like Wigan Athletic. <laughs> um, I, I think Liam Richardson, the Wigan, the Wigan boss, deserves a lot of credit for the job he did last season because at times he had, he had an under-23 squad at best. And he, and he still got them to sit to safety comfortably in the end with with two games to go, and I th- and I back a couple of key players from their squad last season to really make the step up and push for the championship. Um, I really like Callum Lang. I think he's a really good young young forward. And similarly, I really like Theo Asgard. I think he 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 scored a couple of screamers last season, which obviously caught my eye as a, as a, as a primarily championship viewer. Um, but but he he looks really good. Um, the signings have been really really solid. Charlie White will touched upon. He scored the most goals in League One last season, and you can't look past that. And and while Sunderland fans are saying, you know, he's not got an Aidan McGeady whipping balls in for him, he has got a Guion Edwards, who again is a really good signing from Ipswich. Um, and I think this is a theme. They've just they've picked up some of the best players from each side. They've, they've picked up Stephen Humphreys from relegated Rochdale, who was head and shoulders above pretty much any other Dale player last season. Um, they've also picked up Jack Watmore from a, from a fellow promotion rival in Portsmouth. Um, if he can stay fit, he could really, you know, I'd say be the best centre-back in the division. Um, and yeah, I think they're really good. The only reason I don't see them higher than six is just because of the amount of class above them. Um, but in general, Wigan look really good for the, for the upcoming season. Um, Will, who have you got in six? Yeah, so just scraping into the playoffs, I've got Bolton Wanderers. Um, I think this is probably out, out of my top six, the most, the one which I would say is very subject to change. Um, yeah, I, I should word it, which is, and with, with Bolton, I don't know. I just, I, I do think in this league, you know, impressive season last season, good momentum, good momentum coming into the season. I think they're very reliant. If they get off to a good start, I can see them doing it. However, if they if they lose all that momentum from last season, etc., lose games early on and start struggling, then I don't think they'll make it. It's very subject to change, like I said. But for me, Bolton, I still think Owen Doyle leading the line is a brilliant striker. And if he's banging them in for Bolton, then I don't know. I just feel the momentum could take them up. Yeah, I think it's certainly an edgy prediction, but we, we've seen it happen before where where teams have, have come up from League Two and been really strong the season after. Yeah. Um, the question I have for you really is just, you look at certain positions in the Bolton side, certainly for me that the central of, the centre of their midfield where where they relied so heavily on, on Anthony Sarsovic last season, who in the past has probably been a mid-table League One midfielder at best. Yeah. Did you back them players who, even though they are sort of 27, 28, to make that step up? Well, it's, you know, you do make a very good point. And I think I'm right in saying they've brought in, is it Josh Sheehan? 
from Newport. Who, Josh Sheehan, yeah. And like you say, it's not the sort of signing where you immediately go, well, there you go. There's your, your top league one midfielder. You, you know, you make a very good point. But like I say, I, I don't know. I just think the team who, like you say, there's always that one team, isn't there, who get into the top six, who no one really saw it coming and just start getting some results together. And for me, this season, I think Bolton could be that team. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I get your points there, Will, on Bolton. For me, this for them needs to be just a season to solidify the place in the league. Um, mm-hmm. Sheehan's a great signing. Um, I do agree on that one. I knew he's a player I was hoping Wednesday might go and sniff around to try and get maybe as a possible Bannon replacement if Bannon was to leave. But, yeah. um, no, definitely. I mean, let's go on to our fifth place. Um, finishes then. So the ones who are pretty comfortable in the playoffs. I'll start. For me, a team has already been mentioned, but MK Dons. Um, I won't go on about Russell uh, Russell Martin much more because what's been what's needs to have been said has been said. And like as a, the obvious disclaimer, a lot of this is subject to him still being there come the start of the season. Um, my hunch is purely on hunch, is that why would he leave MK Dons to go to Swansea City when Swansea are in a, a real state? Um, if I was him, I, I would stay for the season. I think you can't underestimate just how quality their additions have been. The likes of Scott Twine, Scott, Scott Twine, Scott Twine to obviously come in and, and replace that um, attacking midfield role that they've lost out in, uh, in Fraser going. I think also Josh Martin, the 19-year-old from Norwich, coming in on loan. Um, he scored against us last season. Um, I'm trying to think when it was. It was during that period when fans were allowed back in if you were tier two, and he scored um, a last-minute goal against us. Um, so I think that could be a great addition. The quality of strikers they've brought in in Issa, Parrott and Waters, every single one of those, you know, deserves the starting spot. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Russell Martin lines up with that one. Um, and yeah, it, it's a tough one to call because of the unsurety about Russell Martin's position at the club. But um, if he stays, the quality of football they play, I think also, like we're talking about, the quality of the other teams that perhaps aren't resorting to Route 1 hoofball as much might inadvertently allow MK Dons to in, you know, implement their style even better. So that's my fifth place team. Uh, Will, who have you gone for? So fifth place, I've got Rotherham United, and it is Rotherham. I think typically, you know, they are the prime example of a yo-yo club, and normally they were aim to get that one of the top two spots. But this season, I don't see them doing that for two reasons. One, I think. The competition this year is much stronger than previous seasons. And second of all, it's to do with the transfer window this summer. Um, you see them lose key players like Matt Crooks to, to Middlesbrough. And so far, they certainly haven't replaced him. Um, they've brought Shane Ferguson in from Millwall. And I think that's about the only signing they've made this window, which, you know, if you're looking for top two in this league, that's going to be nowhere near enough. So... I think with the squad they've got, you know, there's lots of those championship players still there. I think they'll get into the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to be playing saving like it sometimes has been for Rotherham. Yeah, and Tom? Yeah, I'm in agreement with Will. I, I have the Millers in fifth. Um, 
Paul Warniola, as, that, as I'll call him. He's <laughs> a league one uh, win specialist, isn't he? He's, he's, he's never finished um, outside the playoffs in, in League One as a manager. And I back him to, to, to achieve a fifth place position with Rotherham this season. Um, Will touched upon it a bit there. The loss of Matt Crooks is quite large, but but not as big as I think some people are making out. You know, he, he did struggle to step up at times last season when when, when the Millers needed a goal. Um, and the rumours of Hakima Duffin, I think I pronounced that right, coming in from Hamilton. Um, you know, I, I'd be really impressed if, if the Millers made that signing. He looks he looks pretty good. Um, and we have got to remember that they've still got some really good players. You know, Dan Dan Barlasser is is a is an outstanding League One midfielder. Michael Hekwe, once again, is he, is top tier in his position for the division. And Michael Smith and Freddie Ladapo will score a lot more goals this season than they did last. And I back both of them um, to hit double figures. I think the only thing that holds Rotherham back is their chairman. And I don't blame him for holding back, by the way. I think Rotherham have got to remain within their station. Um, but but Tony Stewart is never going to invest at the levels we've seen at Ipswich, uh, the levels we, we've seen at, at Wednesday. So uh, it's it's a case of Rotherham just not having enough. But um, if if players such as Mikel Miller and Shirdozi Ogbené make a step up, um, which they have been tipped to do, having having produced strong pre-seasons, um, certainly Mikel Miller, um, Rotherham could even push further than fifth. But I think fifth pay, place position, um, most Rotherham fans would take that this year. And of course, it gives them a chance at, at the lottery of the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll go on to our fourth place now because my fourth place is Rotherham. Um, and I agree with a lot of points that you guys made, especially the one about how they've kept, you know, still got Michael Smith and Freddie Ladapo. So they've yeah. still got proven quality goal scorers. And this is purely down to you calling their Warniola. But Paul Warne is an incredible manager at this level. And whatever squad he has at his disposal, he will motivate them, set them up in a way that works and get results. It's as simple as that. I think it's an interesting one because the general consensus from the Holy Grail that is Twitter and stuff like that seems to be that people are just assuming that the likes of Rodham and Wickham who have come down aren't going to be successful. And they're looking at the teams that are already in the league and that are strengthening as the teams that are going to go and get promotion. I think you can't forget Rotherham. I really do. Um, and like I said, they're going to play pragmatic football. We know that. But the thing with pragmatism is it gets results. And I think the signing of Shane Ferguson is a solid one. Of course, they need to build. The loss of Matthew Sunday on a free transfer to Preston. Um, obviously, Sunday was impressive, but he wasn't amazing. So, again, all these losses, like I said there about Matt Crooks, they're all replaceable in my eyes. They just need yeah. to get about replacing them. Yeah, good points there. But as for your guys' fourth place, I mean, Tom, who have you gone for? Um, in fourth position, I have Charlton Athletic. Um, I think Nigel Adkins is a really great manager for League One. And only at, at, at the cesspit of Bramall Lane has he struggled. Um, is <laughs> not only pretty astute tactically but he's a great man manager and a lot of players who've played under him have said that they've said you know he always gives you absolute confidence going out on the pitch 
and in League One, and I can really vouch for this during Barnsley's last season in League One, we had an outstanding man manager in Daniel Stendhal. And and that really powered us through through Christmas and, and into a really strong second half of the season. And I can see this for the Addicts. Um, I don't think they'll start the season the best. I think they'll probably just be lingering around the top 10 at Christmas. Um, but second half of the season, I really back them to push on. Um, and I think they've made some good signings. You know, Jaden Stockley is a really, really good signing. I think it's gone under the radar, actually, because Ipswich as is, is, is forward line has is, is got so much attention that, that no one's even realised. Charlton have got a player who will probably hit 20 goals this season. Um, Sean Clare, another really good addition. Um, you, you know him well, Ed. He, he came through at Wednesday. Sean Clare. Yeah, <laughs> let's call himself. Look, it, it, I remember we played Aston Villa and we got beat four two, but um, he was um, he was incredible that game. Um, and then classic case of for whatever reason contractually there was a mess up, and obviously he went north of the border to find football um, with Hearts, then came back down, um, and then just found him found his way to Charlton and I, I, one of those players I hope the best for him and I, I think he can do well um, my question is uh, you know, Stockley aside are Charlton signings good enough for a top six finish I, I don't I, think they are to be honest I, I, I don't think maybe the signings in, in on, on their own are probably good enough but I think their squad is it, it's pretty decent at the yeah. core they, they've already. lost the likes of Chucks and Ike though and I, and I know an EK it was a bit of an anomaly in terms of he didn't actually start many games, but his goals per minute ratio was incredible. Um, and they've lost, for example, Darren Prattley, of course, 36-year-old, he's gone on a free, but that sort of experience and leadership. Charlton, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, they were my fifth-place team up until about half an hour before recording, and then they've dropped out of the top ten altogether. So, yeah, I'm, just... I mean, I, mean I, I just think with Charlton, Ed, You've said they've lost experience in Prattley, and I, th- I think that's absolutely fair enough. But they've they've still got it. They've they've got Chris Gunter, yeah, who, who's who's probably the most experienced man in the football league. Uh, they, they've got Craig McGillivray from Pompey, who you mentioned earlier. I think that's a really good goalkeeping addition because they shipped a lot of goals last season where you know the keeper should have done better. The defense, I do have question marks over, and I and I have said and I have you know, put this in my notes. I've said you know huge question marks because they were so poor at times last season um, but also there's players that, that are probably going to step out the shadows this season I mean Daliang Jayismi who they picked up from Swindon um, if he kicks on this season he could be one of the best players in the league and he, he's got a lot of natural talent he's, he's a flair player he's, he's a maverick player um, and, and I'd like to, I'd like to see him kick on and if he does I think Charlton have, have got a really good season on their hands and I, I see a lot of parallels with the Charlton squad this season as, as the season when they got promoted out of League One That um, they've got a goal scorer in Stockley they had a goal scorer in Lyle Taylor um, they've got a, a young midfielder looking to push on in Sean Clare they had the same with Arebo. Um so yeah I think a good season for Charlton and like like I said I think Nigel Adkins is just such a superior manager to what Lee Bowyer was. Uh, no I agree uh, with that. I think you, what simple thing is watch his Twitter videos and <laughs> they just uplift you and you think working under someone like that you know that's only going to have a positive effect on on your your play and how you play as an individual and as a team. So I agree with that. Um but again what this shows is just how tumultuous the top 10 could be this campaign. It really could be anyone on oh, yeah. a broad spectrum, about 12 teams. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but Will, who have you gone for fourth? Uh, so I've got Sunderland, and this is I've probably said about eight times now, but the remainder of this transfer window is important <laughs> for them because ultimately, I'm sure you guys agree, Charlie White's gone out and no one's really come in to replace him. Um, they, they haven't got that proper out and out strike for me who's going to score 20 odd goals like White did last season. They've brought in Pritchard on a free, Alex Pritchard, that is from Huddersfield on a free. I think that's a pretty good move. I think League One, Alex Pritchard, I, I can see him being very good for Sunderland, but with no one in front of him, um, they're going to be struggling. But I think Lee Johnson, he, he's going to get him into playoffs. Do I see them going up? No, because it's Sunderland. I'll find a way to bottle it. But but I do see them getting playoffs based off. They're another club who will probably benefit from fans coming back into the ground. Obviously, they've got a great following. And I, I see that pushing uh, Sunderland into the top six. Yeah, you make, you make a good point there about the striker question. Obviously, um, Will Grigg, um, the man everyone knows this level, did quite well when he spelled at MK Don's last campaign. Obviously, their signings indicate that they're no longer interested in him. Yeah. Um, Ross Stewart, you would say, is probably the favourite to start up front for the Mackens. Yeah. But, you know, do you think, and, you know, we've had a lot of players like this at Wednesday in recent years, do you think Will Griggs' time at Sunderland could come this season under Lee Johnson? I mean, it could. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, sort of with Will Grigg, he was such a promising signing when they first got him and he just hasn't quite worked out yet, has it? So there's nothing to say that this season he can't go on and score a load of goals. And I think, you know, Sunderland fans would love to see that, obviously. But I don't know. I think, you know, Charlie White, probably no one really expected him to get, what was it, 26 goals last season. So you can't write Will Grigg off like you say and you make a good point in that, you know, maybe he's the man who's going to go score load of goals for Sunderland and get them yeah. into the top six. No, I mean, still fries. Sorry, Ed, but it still fries my head that they paid four million pounds for him. Yeah, that, that especially is mental. when you watch <laughs> that clip on the documentary, he's just share that to anyone, and it's just an absolute masterclass on how not to how not to bargain yeah. someone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, yeah, they were just having them, weren't they? But it it, it was ridiculous. But, I remember, I remember because it was the year we got promoted. And I remember thinking on deadline day, going, we're, we're doing all right here. We've signed George Miller. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then it just came up. Sunderland have agreed to sign Will Grigg and you're going, no way. They're going to pick us for top two. And he yeah. was just terrible. Yeah. But, I remember when he came, um, you'll remember it, Tom, when it when he came to Oakwell and we were all there expecting this like prime enigma. Will Grigg. Yeah. It was just rubbish. It was <laughs> <laughs> just really bad. And we were like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Well, but yeah. then, you know, you wonder, is Will Grigg a sort of a, I don't know how to put it, a confidence player in the in the terms of when he was at MK Dons, like I said, he got eight goals in 20 games and maybe a club of a slight lower stature with less pressure, you know, you know. Well, he's always been good at Tim Pot clubs, hasn't he? <laughs> um, MK Dons and Wigan, he's played his best football at. So, I mean, if I just think if he was going to do it with literally no pressure, He'd have done it in the first half of last season for Sunderland with no fans. Yeah, that's a so good I, I just I don't I just don't see it working out for him. And I've got Sunderland in third, so I think move on to top three now. I'll, I'll talk through Sunderland in in my view, but I think if Sunderland do get third, in which I think they will, that the striker who they're going to rely on is Ross Stewart, and he's he's not renowned for scoring lots of goals, but similarly to Charlie White, he's that build of striker where he's good at bringing others into play. 
And it just so might happen that he, he get he bags, you know, a hat full. I think Sunderland's midfield is where they're gonna get the vast majority of their goals from this season. Um Aidan McGeady is is just so good for League One. Um Lyndon Gooch, I know he's been deployed in a right wing back role used um by Lee Johnson in preseason, but he will chip in with a few goals. Elliot Embleton, who was outstanding at Blackpool, yeah. he will score a fair few. And like Will said, Alex Pritchard in League One, if he stays fit, will, will be really good for the, for the Mackhams. And um, yeah, I can see him ch- chipping in with a lot of goals. You mentioned earlier, Ed, the signing of Callum Doyle. Now, I know 17 is very young for a central defender. Now, if this was a, a an attacking midfielder or a striker, I'd maybe get, well, regardless of age, if they've got the quality. But in a, such a physical league as League One, Callum Doyle might struggle, but the evidence is there that he's supremely talented. He's had a, he's had a fantastic pre-season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one point I would just say in regards to the stuff you've said, and you said it yourself regarding Alex Pritchard, I think it was, regarding that, you know, it all depends on if they're fit or not. I think so much of Sunderland's team, that's the case for, you know, especially their talisman, such as Aidan McGeady. You know, and Aidan yeah. McGeady playing with shots in his leg, trying to get through four games and then having another four off or something like that, isn't going to be an effective Aidan McGeady. He's only getting older. And yeah. I think yeah. we see, especially in League One, when you've got the Papa John's Trophy and all these other competitions, you know, it's a busy schedule. And unless mm-hmm. they bulk out their squad with some signings, their talisman are sooner or later going to just pop from uh, from physical exhaustion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I need to mention on Sunderland is their manager Lee Johnson, and I know I know little Lee well. Um, um, but you know, what regardless of what you think about his methods, you know, I remember when he was at Barnsley, there's a leaked thing of his tactics board, and it was like just it was it was a football pitch, but with like loads of writing, but in certain areas. So on the wings, it was like bomb alley. <laughs> um, well, he's the, he's the man for a quote, yeah. isn't he? He's a real it, life David yeah. Brent. <laughs> it, it, in in the box, it was corridor of confusion. Yeah. It, it was it was just so David Brent. And what what was it last season? And I think you quoted it in one of our podcasts about about the the, the line that the shark yeah. doesn't stop eating it, on Monday or something. It was it was something like that. It was. It, yeah, it really is a real life David Brent. Um, but he's just streaky, isn't he? He will win eight. He's he's called Streaky Johnson for a reason. He will win eight on in a row. He'll lose eight in a row. And that's why I just don't see Sunderland getting into the top two because of that inconsistency. Because feasibly, Sunderland could go on a ridiculous run around Christmas and sort of go 15 unbeaten and then just not win for a good two months. So I, I think for Sunderland to be consistent, they, they, ha- they have to have a different manager. Um, but they're, they're also going to stick with Lee Johnson. I think Kieran Louis-Dreyfus said he's got every confidence in him. Um, and I think you will get them a, a third place position in League One, um, and then it's just all about the the playoffs lottery, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the playoff lottery has not been kind to them of recent day, but they sorry recent years. We know the tears at Wembley we saw on the net, on our Netflix accounts. Uh, they different to tears at Wembley on your Sky Sports, so in it, Ed. <laughs> the army. <laughs> uh, knew that was coming somewhere. Um, but no, like I said, but, I mean, with all these things, but if you get into the playoffs, it's the best way to go up, but the worst way to lose. So yeah, definitely, um, it is a lottery. 
But we've gone through our third places to tenth places, and now we're going to the big boys. Thing. No, we haven't. Have we not? We've not done yours and Will's third. Oh, fuck a duck. Right, get that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck a duck, that's the, that's, that's the best one I've heard. Apologies. Right, Have you, are you time-stamping this? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Got it all set up, right? right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll carry on. Uh, where should I go from? I'll go from the, the lottery part. I'll reset that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know the playoffs are a lottery um, and anything can happen. For me, the team I've got just missing out on automatic promotion is a team that's already been mentioned, but it's Wigan Athletic. Um, I think... Oh, fuck. What's this YouTube play? We've <laughs> 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 got a YouTube video playing. Sorry. Sorry. Sort of like tranquil music. <laughs> It's a Cambridge history and politics video. Apologies. Right. Let me. Uh, what am I saying again? Where Where is the last thing you said? Um. We We were just talking about Sunderland in the playoffs, weren't we? So just go. Yeah, the the playoffs is a real lottery, and for Sunderland, it's not been kind for them in recent years. In third, who have you got? Will just do that. Yeah. Well, the playoffs are a real lottery, and for Sunderland in recent years, they've not been kind. Um, Will, who have you got in third? I've got Charlton Athletic, and I don't think I need to say too much about Charlton because you know you went quite in depth with it and made some very good points. But I would simply say, like Tom said, Nigel Atkins, I think, is a very good manager to have at this level. I think Jaden Stockley could bang in a hell of a lot of goals for them, and I just see them doing well, missing out. Not you know, not not getting top two, but a strong playoff position and and getting third place for me. Yeah. Um... I'm going to turn some heads here with what I'm about to say for third place. I'm going to go against the grain. Um, I've gone for Ipswich in third. Um, right. So, first of all, I want to commend them for the signings they've made and especially, you know, the signings of top quality League One players that we know can do it at this level. They haven't fallen into the trap of necessarily going for championship players, lower-end championship players. They've gone for people they know have done it at this level time and time again. But it comes down to one thing for me. And that is, these players, when you put so many great players together, you can't expect results in the first season for me. Um, the amount of times we've seen teams, you know, in the Premier League, when they get promoted to the Premier League, for example, just put a, what they think is a God squad together and they still go down. This is a bit different, but I still think you need to give it time to gel. And will the new new ownership give Paul Cook enough time to gel this team? I'm not sure they will. Um, I mean, still a third-place finish is highly respectable and they can still get promoted through the playoffs. But do I think they'll be a top-two team? No, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question about Ipswich. And it, it's, doubt, it's a doubt I have and it's a doubt I'll touch upon. Um, I've obviously got them in the top two. But in terms of the start to the season, and I think this is where we're going to see, I think first month we're going to see what Ipswich are going to be this season. We're going to see if they're going to be this Rolls-Royce or sort of, you know, I'm not car expert, but are they going to be a Ford Focus? You know, and I, I think the question is, how long do you think it'll take for the squad to gel? I think when you get to sort of, January time, I think you need a good few months, really. I mean, we're not professional footballers. We don't know the ins and outs. But, you know, let's not forget, Paul Cook hasn't been at the club long himself. 
So he still needs to, you know, this is his first full preseason sort of thing. He, he still needs time to gel with the goings on at the club. You bring all those players together, you get all those players go on free transfers, and you know they've they've sold a few players. There's been a real culture change of that club, and I don't think a culture change. I think it disrupts somewhat how successful you can be on the pitch. Um, but you know, I do want to say I don't want to credit them because the signs have made the likes of Scott Fraser, Joe Piggott. These are really top quality signings. They've obviously brought in Matt Penny on a free transfer player I know very well. And I'm really interested to see how he works under Paul Cook because we know Paul Cook loves a 4-2-3-1. Matt Penny never really showed us what his best position was, whether it was left-back, left-wing-back or left-midfield. He even played central midfield against Sheffield United in one Steel City derby, I seem to remember. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to follow his development. They've signed Connor Chaplin obviously a player you guys know very well you can talk about in a minute. But I just think a season too soon and if they're unforgiving and don't give Paul Cook time, it could get quite messy again. Yeah. Yeah. I think but that's still, fair. you know, the top three finish is highly respectable considering the anger there was towards Paul Lambert last campaign and the administration that owned them sort of thing, you know. The yeah. whole setup of the club is changed immeasurably in a year's time and fair play for them to, fair play to them for that yeah 100 percent um moving on to the top two then and this is where it, it it's it's mega isn't it um it there's, there's, a, there's a certain club we've not mentioned at all yet so i think you can guess who's going to be in the top two for the three of us um but starting with second place who have you got in second then ed uh i've gone for wigan um right now, Very interesting. It is interesting, and I'm aware that I might be slightly contradicting myself on my reasons given why I don't think Ipswich will do too well, considering that Wigan have a, a fairly significant chain of, of turnover this um, this summer. But I think the benefit of last campaign will, you know, immeasurably aid them. You know, staying up last season, how bad things were compared to how good they are now. And again, they've signed some top quality players this level. I actually disagree with the praise of Charlie White somewhat. Um, and I agree with Sunderland fans to a large extent. But like you said, Tom, they've brought in players who can give him McGeady-like service. So it'll be really interesting to see. Max Power, he's a bit of an enigma at this level because at Sunderland, he was you know, he's consistently dropping fives and sixes out of tens. Very rarely getting an eight out of ten. I remember the playoff game against Lincoln. You know, you need a goal right at the death, and he shoots from thirty yards out and skies it. Um, yeah, sort of epitomised his time at that club, his final contribution. Stephen Humphreys has obviously really impressed in pre-season, um, and I think they can do it this campaign. I think with the manager, the setup, everything about the club, obviously they had last season to gel, brought in some real quality this campaign. Um, I don't see any reason why they can't get top two. Yeah. I think all them reasons are really fair because I, I mentioned it in saying that I think they'll finish sixth, but they could go on to much better things. Um, Will, who have you got finishing second? And I think I know what's coming. Uh, so. uh, it, it really does pain me. But on, no, no, I've, got, I've, got, I've got the almighty Sheffield Wednesday, Ed. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Wednesday, they've just they've got it right. Um, Darren Moore. He's the man for League One. He's proven that. Um, I think signings, I'm sure you'd agree, Tom, 
uh, sorry, not Tom, Ed, it's been a pretty solid transfer window, would you say? I think yeah. uh, Bailey Peacock, Farrell, much needed goalkeeper brought in, Jack Hunt, you know, is a solid championship player, so I'm sure he'll do well for you in League One. Uh, Lewis Wing from, from Middlesbrough, another good, just solid signing for League One, I think. For me, the important part is you manage to keep the core of the squad from the championship, which is the players like Bannon. You know, I'll try not to speak too soon, but it looks to me, I'm sure, would you agree, Ed, that Bannon is going to stay? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been linked with um, quite a few midfielders, obviously, mm. with quite a few midfielders. So, you know, whether that's the sort of cover for Bannon going, I don't think it is because I personally. And the stuff you read, it's because you've got a lot of young central midfielders, the likes of Hunt and Waldock, who yeah. are going to go out and look for low experience, and therefore we need cover and mm-hmm. add real quality. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we'll talk about this later because surprise, surprise, I haven't mentioned one team yet, and it might be <laughs> Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, so uh, I just think Bannon and, and the players you've got, the squad you've got, the manager you've got, um, Again, this hurts to say, but the, the fans you've got for League One, I think it, it, it leads to a steady on. I like steady on. Well, yeah, like finish. Um, steady on with the fans. I think I think Wednesday's fans could become very vile and toxic. <laughs> well, so but no, I, I agree. I agree with all your points there. Well, to be fair, um, and in second, I have Ipswich, um, which obviously means I'm awfully going to have to chat up one certain club in a couple of minutes' time, but. But I, I have Ipswich in second for, for a lot of reasons, but mainly for the fact that they've got, you know, unbelievable League One players. Um, I think Paul Cook, someone said it on Twitter the other day, and I was like, bloody hell, I really agree with that. He's the Harry Redknapp of League One, isn't he? Um, he just seems to spend loads of money in League One, but always deliver promotion, so you can't argue with it. Um, I think the additions this week of George Edmondson and Connor Chaplin are, are ridiculous signings for League One. Connor Chaplin, in my opinion, in the right system, could score 20 goals in League One. I, I saw him, I think his best spell at Barnsley was in December 2019 when he was he, he was playing in a front two as part of a, a 4 1 2 1 2. Um, and he scored a lot of goals. I think he scored seven goals in one month. And 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 I think in League One, under the tutelage of Paul Cook, who he's worked under before, um, he'll do really well. Edmondson, they've brought him in for a reported seven-figure fee from Rangers, and and that's and that is ridiculous financial power for the division. Scott Fraser was a player I was hoping Barnsley would go after. From MK Dons, um, double figures for goals and assists last season, and I back him to do the same this season. Um, and Ipswich, similarly to Bolton in League Two last season, I feel will be quite inconsistent until Christmas because I don't think they will gel straight away. But once they've got that perfect blend of the right formation, the right personnel, I think they will be nigh on unbeatable from Christmas onwards. And um, I think they'll really put. Um, a certain team hard for the title um, and I think we'll see similarly to Barnsley and Luton in 2018-19, I think we'll see the top two breaking the 90 points barrier Yeah, um, let's not beat around the bush anymore then let's yeah. get to our you know, title winners, Will we'll start with you, who have you yep. to win League One in the 2021-22 season? So I, I've gone with Ipswich and that is 
well, you guys have, have spoken in depth about it and it's simply, you know, this transfer window we've seen from them is like, for, you know, you'd be happy with that for a championship club and, and they've done it in League One. Tom said, yeah. clearly we know a lot about Connor Chaplin and, you know, as Barnsley fans, we would have been happy to see Chaplin stay at the club having just finished in the playoffs last season in the championship. So, that you know, that shows us the quality of player he is, it, you know, while he didn't always get the game time at Barnsley, he's the player who he's got it. Um, and at Ipswich, with the likes of Joe Piggott, I just see him scoring goals. And I think that Ipswich squad, you know, like you say, it is all down to if they gel. Um, but if they do gel, I think for me, there's nothing stopping them. Uh, even the, the almighty Sheffield Wednesday had. Um, I think, you know, Ipswich for me, with the players they've got, manager they've got, it just with the uh, with the Ed Sheeran sponsor on the shirt, they're going to win the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're all fair points apart apart from a certain shit musician who you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I think I think it's going to be very tight in 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 the top, in in League One in general. But Ipswich do look really really good for the title. I'm going to mention my title winners before Ed mentions his because I know we've both got the same team winning the league, but he will be able to lord them a little bit more generously than I can. Um, and I am going to have to go on script here or else I'm going to end up saying something probably offensive to Wednesday fans. <laughs> so, um, Darren Moore is the best manager in the league, without doubt for me. He he, he should be a championship manager um, and the players they've got, and this is before even mentioning signings, so uh, this is just a few players who I really like. Josh Windass, great, great striker. Um, and I think his injury is going to be a blessing in disguise for Wednesday because you're going to have him until at least January. I agree. Um, Dominic Iorfa, I think, could even play in the Premier League. He's really, really good. Um, Barry Bannon, top quality player. Probably not as good as he was a few years ago, but we've seen midfielders drop down to League One and still be able to produce that, those top-tier performances. Um, moving on to the signings, as Will said with Ipswich, a lot of these players you'd be happy with if you're in the Championship. Same goes for Wednesday. Um, Bailey Peacock Farrell is, is a great signing. I don't know if you Leeds fans haven't been the biggest fans of him, but I think he's a good signing for Wednesday considering the, the apparent weakness in that area with, with Cameron Dawson, who's headed to Exeter, and Joe Wildsmith, who, who struggled. Um, a left-back was needed. You've brought in Jaden Brown. Um, I think a right-back was probably needed because Liam Palmer will be expected to cover on both flanks and, and Jack Hunt's championship level. Um, there's only a couple of questions that I have um, over your signings. I think I think Dennis Adoniran probably isn't going to be a start midfielder, so I do question why you brought him in and, and still look set to sign George Byers. Um, um, but if, if you do go with a three-man midfield next season, uh, Barry Bannon, Massimo Luongo, and then whoever you have as your third midfielder, whether that be George Byers or whoever, would be an incredible midfield. Um, and finally, the, I, I've got certain players player of the season. I'm not going to mention who it is, but slash, I'm going to have to mention who it is. Um, Olamide Chidipo, um, he was great for Oxford last season. 11 goals, four assists. And I, I think he could even double that with Wednesday this year. Um, I think he's probably your key man and um, he, he will be outstanding. And finally, on individuals at Wednesday, I back Lewis Wing to have a Yaya Torre 2013-14-esque season. Um, I think he's such a good signing and I'm, I'm gutted that he's gone to you lot 
because I'd have liked to have seen him go to Rotherham and get them back up. Um, but it, it really does pay me to say all this. But for me, Sheffield Wednesday could even touch, you know, 100 points in League One. They, I think that team is that good. Um, and yeah, this is really paining me to say, so I'm going to have to stop. Um, but Ed, do you, do you want to lord the owls a little bit more? Yeah, I'm sure just taking a moment, just taking everything you've said there um, and just admire it um, and save this moment because it's very rare that you credit Sheffield Wednesday anyway and that was more than just crediting us. I hope it's not a sort of reverse psychology trying to jinx us. Um, <laughs> <but> it is. <laughs> no. But a lot of what you said, I completely agree with. Um, you talked there about if you play midfield three, of Bannon, Luongo and then whoever. You add Lewis Wing to that, who I assume we will do is the more advanced one in that three. And that is the best midfield three slash pairing, whatever you want to call it, in, in the league. I don't see anyone who can form a better midfield than that. Um, I understand about the Dennis and Iran um, qualm, but like I said, if we've got the youngsters in terms of Hunt and Waldock wanting to let them go out on loan, and maybe for Saudi Bashiru, although I'd really like him to stay, and I think he could be the breakout player this campaign, really. Um, you need cover, and it's a free transfer on relatively low wages. He did well for Wickham last campaign in the Championship. It's another great addition. Um, you talked there about George Byers possibly coming. At, at the time of recording, we've been heavily linked with George Byers, Marvin Johnson. Um, Josh Sims, you know, these are good quality players for a League One side, definitely. Um, and I think it's also key that we've got Cameron Dawson out on loan because he needs game time at Exeter. I think that's too low a level for him at League Two, to be honest. But game time is the number one priority. But one thing I will say that you didn't touch on there is that this is a transition season, but it doesn't feel like a transition season for me. Because so many of the players we released, the relationship between them, the fans, the club had reached reached their tether, really. It wasn't like we've had these players ripped away from us, stolen from us. It was just its natural conclusion. We knew this was coming and I think we prepared about it the right way. I I put a tweet out actually saying the EFL um, restrictions on us being able to spend money on players has actually helped the club. And I completely agree with that tweet. Well, obviously, because I wrote it, but you understand what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) It just works out the concept of a tweet. Um, (laughs) Because what it's done is it stopped us from falling into the trap of coming down with money and thinking we can splash cash at this and go boom or bust, which is exactly what happened in the championship when Chancery first came in. And we're feeling the aftermaths. We've only just about stopped feeling them. Um, I like to say we've done an Ipswich, but on a budget in terms of signing really good quality players who are, A, some of them proven at this level, like Shadipo, others proven at a higher level, uh, like Lewis Wing and Jack Hunt. So um, I'm really excited. There's a massive, massive element of bias from me winning the league. It's a complete pipe dream, but I do think it's realistic. Um, and I think, was it, was it Tom, you talked about earlier, the idea of a man-manager? Uh, yeah. and Nigel Atkins and he said he was one of the best man managers in the league I would say Darren Moore is the best uh, yeah I agree with you on that his personal skills his morals his ethics everything about the way he wants to run the club is exactly what we've been missing and yeah. building that relationship squad. with fans uh, it's called squad yeah as it's been named on Twitter and I love that you know if we can bring well our average age of departures last 
at the end of last season was about 27. The average age of our incomings has been around 24-ish. So we're getting a younger squad. We're getting rid of Deadwoods. We're getting a young, hungry squad with a point to prove and with a manager who's only going to help them. So, you know, the sky's the limit. I'm sure the summer will be coming in and we'll be sat and we'll be in about 13th and we'll be all be disappointed. But I won't know. be. No, you won't be, but I will. <laughs> but I really think if things go right and the stars just ever so slightly align, this can be a really special season for the club. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the only thing that, even looking back at Wednesday's history, the only thing that made me think possibly you couldn't do what I'm predicting you to do is when you came down from the Championship in 2010 and you, you sort of had a similar squad. You had Nicky Weaver in Nets, who'd been a Premiership goalkeeper with Man City. You had you had Clinton Morrison up front, who'd scored goals in the Championship for years. Um, and you just didn't quite do it. And the season after you, that, that you then did, but I think Darren Moore is such a, a good manager. I think he will get you up first time of asking. So that's our one to ten predictions for the Sky Bet League One 2021-2022 season done. And um, moving on to our individual player award predictions now. Um, and Will, who have you got as your player of the year for for the 2021-2022 season? My player of the year is going to be Joe Piggott uh, at Ipswich, and that is for. The reasons I outlined when I spoke on Ipswich, which is I think they're going to be just unbelievably strong this season. And and if they're strong, the chances are Piggott will be firing in the goals uh, and will get lots of the credit for their success. And and so for that reason, he's my, he's my player of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really fair enough. Um, Ed, who's your player of the year? Um, I've gone for Barry Bannon. Um, now, a central midfielder who doesn't get a lot of goals or assists getting player of the year is highly unlikely. Um, but I think that Bannon will get more involved this season in terms of his um, numbers, um, especially assists. Um, I think if we see him perhaps go more advanced role, especially if it's a midfield three and say Wing isn't in there and Bannon's pushing forward, then I think he could be a real talisman. I think he's the best midfielder in the league if he stays um, that might be biased, but it's what I feel, to be honest, in terms of his quality on his day and his regularity of how good he is. He's so dependent and reliable. Um, and yeah, I think if, if we are to have a good season, Barry Bannon will be at the forefront of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I must say I was quite close to putting Bannon there myself. And the only reason I didn't is, like you mentioned, Ed, that often the, these Player of the Year awards get given on you know, a load of goal contributions or something. That's what we tend to see. Um, yeah. But I, I do think Bannon could tear League One up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you boys there in the sense that it's never usually the best player in the league who gets it. Um, but I, I, I'm backing for my player of the year, uh, Olamide Shadipo. Um, I think he will score, like I said, possibly close to 20 goals and nearly get into, into double figures for assists. Um I think just in general, Wednesday won't have one player who they'll rely on. So there's there's going to be a lot of goals spread throughout that squad. But I think Shadipo will just be the player who gets the most. And and if they do win the league, there's no doubt in my mind he'll probably win Player of the Year. Um, you boys have mentioned a couple of players you've had in your thoughts. I think Scott Fraser is just one we have to mention. I think he's going to be so so good for Ipswich. Um, yeah. But but none of us have obviously tipped him. 
for player of the season. Um, young player of the year then, and we've all got different picks for this. Um, starting with you, Ed, who have you got as your young player of the year? I've gone for the 17-year-old Callum Doyle. Um, now, a 17-year-old, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And especially, we talked about earlier, it's a very physical league. Will he be able to cope? His pre-season would suggest he really would be able to. And I think um, this could be, you know, a real good move. I think Lee Johnson's a great manager to go and work for if you're a youngster. Because he's that little bit erratic, a little bit of a quirky character. But you get the sense he's a really nice guy. Um, My only worry would be, and I don't think this would be necessarily affect him because of his age, is that, you know, that um, stadium of like crowd. But, on the flip side, and this is something that could benefit him, if he starts putting in great performances, Sunderland as a community will just embrace him and lift him up and up and up as his performances grow. Um, so if he can win the hearts over, which with his age, you'd imagine he's already halfway there, um, I don't see any reason why he can't be a real breakthrough player. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, Will, who's your young player of the year? I've gone with Luke Jeffcott at Plymouth. And that is because I think he was actually very impressive last season and sort of went under the radar a little bit. He scored 18 goals in all competitions and he did that without scoring in his last 19 games. So I think that shows when he's in form and firing, like he scores goals and a lot of them and he's only 21. So I think this season, you know, he's another year older and while the pressure might be on sort of the, the big club strikers to perform, if you've got a player like Jeff Cott just firing them in for Plymouth, he could start racking up some numbers. And if he gets 20-plus goals as a 21-year-old at Plymouth, I think he's in strong contention for Young Player of the Year. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Thing. The only thing you've got to worry about a little bit is if he doesn't get going and then it's mm-hmm. sort of, you get into sort of up September and they're going 26 games without a goal, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I agree with you. I think he, he could have a great season. Um, my young player of the year is Elliot Embleton uh, at, at Sunderland. I think he's going to be so key for the Mackhams this season. And um, if he doesn't go to Blackpool, which has been linked with a move back there, but it doesn't look as if he is going to be going back to Bloomfield Road. I think he, he's got a real bright season ahead of him. Um, so, yeah. Um, manager of the year. Now I've got on the graphic, all three of us have the same manager of the year. So um, we'll start off with you, Will. Who, why have you picked um, your manager of the year as Darren Moore? Uh, I think we, we've outlined many of his qualities in that I think he probably is the best manager in the league. And just the, his style of management, you know, like you said, Tom, I think he probably is a championship manager, if we're being honest. So, you know, Wednesday, lucky to have him in League One. Um, We've seen at Doncaster how he can turn young players into great players. Um, And I just think his style of management is so, you know, it's brilliant for this league. And I just think if Sheffield Wednesday excel, then Darren Moore has got to get some credit for that. Uh, and, And with that, the manager of the year. Yeah, yeah. And Ed? Yeah, I've talked about when I talked about us being, you know, potential league winners. Um, everything about him I love. His culture, his football. Let's not forget, you know, on the pitch, he wants to play fast, attractive football. Um, signings that have come in have, have talked as that as a reason why they wanted to join. Um, and if we get playing that sort of football, I think you know no one's going to be complaining. 
So I think if Wednesday had to do anything right, it's going to be with Bannon on the pitch and um, Darren Moore up on the touchline. Yeah, that's fair. And I've also obviously got Moro as, as my manager of the year. I, I think he's, like Will said in quoting me, I, I just think he's a championship manager. And for, for Wednesday, he's the perfect fit right now. And if Wednesday win the league, there's no doubt that he will win manager of the year. Um, golden boot white. Um, I'll start with my selection. and I, I touched upon him when I was speaking about the addicts. Um, I, I think Jaden Dockley will be the golden boot winner in League One, um, as I just think he will carry such a burden for their goals that he will score loads and loads of them, um, maybe even nearly hitting 30. Um, but but I think it, it, it's so tight because there's so many goal scorers in the league this season. You boys have spoken about Piggott, um, Chaplin the, at Wednesday. You've got Windass. They're probably going to bring in another striker. Rotherham have Miller, um, Sorry, not Miller. Rotherham have Smith and Ladapo. Um, so, who have you got as your golden boot winner, Ed? I've got Joe Piggott. Um, I think under a Paul Cook system, four two three one, he could fire them in. We've seen him do it for multiple seasons now at Wimbledon. FC Wimbledon, he's been a proven scorer at this level. Um, and the quality he's going to have around him has increased tenfold. So, we talked about Scott Fraser and players like that. If these players can give him service, he will finish them off. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I've gone for him as top scorer. Yeah, and Will, you've obviously mentioned that he's your player of the year because he wins the golden boot. Um, so, I mean, you can go over it again if you want to. Uh, yeah, I like it. You know, Ed's touched on it there. I touched on it. Joe Piggott, I just think in that system at Ipswich, he's going to score goals and be the top goal scorer. Simple as that. Yeah, good stuff. Um, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please do give the uh, the video a like because it means a lot to us and a lot of hard work's gone into making the graphics and obviously putting the podcast together. Um, comment below who you think will win the league, who will get in the playoffs and who will be your player of the year. Um, we do have a championship 1-24 to and a Premier League 1-20 to predictions podcast in the pipeline, so stick around for them. And we'll catch you in the next podcast. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.